This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast today. I'm your host, Sam Carroll, joined by Adam Jones, Dave Prentice, and Gavin Buckland, as the wait is almost over. Get of all that international footy nonsense and get back to the proper <laughs> club stuff. Lads, we've still got to wait a whole weekend for the Blues to be back, but already the good news is starting to roll in from Finch Farm and Goodison Park. Dave, I'll start with you because we were just having a little natter about it before we got started, but after 597 days since he last pulled on an Everton shirt in a competitive fixture against Watford at Goodison, Jean-Philippe Gabamon, according to Clanchlotti, although I won't believe it, I can see it with my own two eyes, is ready to play against Crystal Palace if if needed. Good times to be a blue. Good times to be Jean Philippe Jabaman Preno. A big huh. boost for Everton in those final ten games. Even though you know we we might not necessarily see him Monday. We might not even see him for the rest of the season. But just to see him back in first team training and for Carlo to declare he is back is good news, isn't it? Can I just clarify, Jean Philippe? I mean, my my A level French would have Jean Philippe. Yeah, or is it? Am I mispronouncing him? But either I, way, I, I trust your pronunciations over mine. <laughs> I, I, either way, it's it's good to see him back on the periphery, and I think that's where he'll stay. Although I get the impression that uh, Carlo is very keen to see him play as quickly as possible. I mean, he has mentioned before, hasn't he, about his uh, summer transfer plans could you know depend upon whether we have a fully fit Gabamin you know sort of available or not, and depending on which area of the team he's going to try and look to bring new faces into. Uh, so he will want to use him sooner rather than later. But I think Monday night, I think you'll probably only see him if, you know, we've got a situation whereby keeping your fingers and toes crossed for like, you know, sort of three or four nil up with about 10 minutes to go, which would be lovely, wouldn't it? And uh, he has proven in the past that he's willing to give, you know, sort of people opportunities. I mean, Thierry Small came on for the last five minutes of uh, an FA Cup tie, didn't he? You know, with uh, to become the youngest player in the club's history. Yeah. Carlo's not shy at throwing players on and, you know, sort of giving them an opportunity. So I think that if an opportunity presents itself, I think uh, Gabamin may be seen. But I think it's still very, very soon. He's only been training with the first team for like about 10 days, hasn't he? So yeah. uh, I think it would be asking an awful lot to throw him into a Premier League fixture so soon. But I don't think it will be that long. I think it'll be you know sooner rather than later. Because as I said earlier, Carlo wants to see him play. He wants to see how much of an influence he can be and whether he will be anything like the player that we thought we'd signed 597 days ago. Was it you say? It's a long time now. Is that the key message at the moment, then, Adam? To to still, for people to still kind of have patience and maybe understand that we might only see a few more minutes of of Jabamin before the end of this season, and it's really all going to be geared towards making sure he has a a good preseason under his belt, and hopefully then we can finally begin to see the man that convinced Marcel Brands to spend twenty five million on him in the summer of twenty nineteen. Mm, I suppose so, but. Carlos press conference really it, it really intrigued me today to be honest because yeah. you know with some of the things that Carlo was saying it seemed as if you know he'd been looking at him in training and he's been really impressed with what he's been doing in training and he seemed you know quite confident that Kabamon was you know at least going to be you know have some sort of involvement over these last 10 games so you know I was maybe before this press conference thinking to myself oh you might get a couple of minutes here and there and you know it might be the focus on a on next season, which I still think is probably the best way to be looking at it. I still think that, you know, any minutes that he's going to pick up this season are just going to be a bonus, to it, it, if nothing else, because, you know, he has missed 
you know, the vast majority of the last two seasons. So, you know, he, as you say, he's not going to be, he's not going to be at the top of his game and fit and fired and for, you know, 90 minutes week in, week out for these last 10, 10, uh, 10 matches of the season. But, you know, with the confidence that Carlo Ancelotti's had, you know, it, it makes me think that you know, he might have, he might have a bit, a bit more influence than I maybe might have first thought, which, you know, I, I, I suppose is good news for, for Gabamon, really, because as I say, it's still it's still going to be a massive bonus to him, whatever minutes that he gets from now until uh, you know, the end of May, let's say. Uh, but you know, it's going to be a big boost to Ancelotti as well, you know, because you know, I said I said earlier this week, I think Everton have had have got players that can play in defensive midfield like Alan and Tom Davis, but I don't think, aside from Gabamon, Everton necessarily have a defensive midfielder. So I think Gabamon. You know his role is quite clear in in the in the squad. You know he needs to step in and you know be that sort of anchor as a defensive midfielder because otherwise, uh, Everton are going to have to be looking in the transfer market if he if he can't step up and make it. So you know it kind of maybe puts a little bit of pressure on him over the last uh, few games of the season. But I just hope you know well it's Carlo Ancelotti. He know he knows that he can't be putting too much pressure on him because of how long he's been out injured. So. Yeah, let's let's just fingers crossed he can just at least keep himself fit for these last ten games of the season. You know, he's make sure he's always available for these last few. Games. If he doesn't get on the pitch, he doesn't get on the pitch. Some of them, but you know, let's try and just keep him keep him available, give him as many minutes as he can possibly manage. And yeah, as you say, like try and take it, try and take it forward next season. As Adam says, Gav, I don't know if you you've had the chance to to tune into the press conference today, but. Carlo said his last game was in 2019, but we can say he is back. I don't know if he's going to play on Monday, but for sure he will be involved. He will be available. And, you know, for a man who I think people forget sometimes that footballers are, at the end of the day, human beings. He, he's moved over to the country. Uh, I'm not sure how much of the, the language he knew. He's had, a, he's had a baby while on lockdown, kind of <laughs> in a new country as well, which is obviously must must be, be difficult. Um. It feels like on on a personal note for for him, for the player himself, this 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 is a really good thing, doesn't it? And hopefully, you know, he's two years into a a five year deal at Everton and, and hasn't kicked the ball yet. You feel like times have got to turn for him, and he's got to be rewarded for his kind of his patience and the hard work he's put into his rehabilitation somewhere. Yeah, I'm surprised he's had a baby considering he's injured. Uh, by the way, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> An alarming precedence. Um, yeah, I, I've said all along, uh, Sam, and, and as you well know, um, with Kabamon, it's not the physical side of it that is probably the main problem. I mean, you know, yeah. you can be fixed, can't you? Um, you know that. Um, the, the main side, you know, we, we, you know, if you think about it, you know, we, we, people have struggled under lockdown, and, and if you think about it for him, he, he can't carry out the day that he's. That, that he's skilled in. He's obviously living in another country. He's isolated in another country as well. Um, so in terms of you know recuperating from long-term injury, those challenges need to be overcome even before you start kicking the ball. So I think it will be a major time for him, both mentally and physically, what if he gets back into the team and starts performing, to be honest with you. Um, we really do underplay that that you know the, the drawback of of you know the, the current situation on, on on players from abroad, and 
I think that's you know going off slightly off. I'm sure that was used by some of my Chelsea signs didn't work at the start of the season yeah. as well because they were coming from abroad into a new country and couldn't do it, couldn't mix at all. And and I think Abamon is is um, you know in that degree as well. So yeah, yeah, um, you know, and as much as say the club can look after you, you do a lot of it is down to yourself as well about your own um, internal strength. And um, I think it's it's just a, a, a triumph just for them to be fit. And available uh, to be fair, and it'll be even better if he if he comes in between now and the end of the season and and and, and gets a few minutes under his belt and gives Carlo an indication about whether he can, you know, make the bid for for next season. Because you know, Peno, spot on. I think we said this before. Uh, Carlo needs to see him play because that will dictate, you know, some of his transfer uh, plans during the summer. So. Um, congratulations to the lads and the and the, the medical team for getting them in shape. Because um, there's been a lot of dark stuff around them, hasn't it? Rumours and stuff and all that. And it's, it's great to see him, you know, in with a shout. Uh, <laughs> Carlo said, um, what was he He's ready to play. And then says, I don't know whether he's going to play on Monday. <laughs> I just thought, hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, Carlo. Yeah, but by the sounds of it, he's going to be available with Carlo. You know, it sounds like Tom's bench to me. Doesn't it? Yeah. Do, do yeah well, still... it be... Sorry, oh, yeah. I was going to say if you can't get on our subs at the moment when we've got like the, 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 you know a fifteen-year-old goalkeeper on the bench, it's probably a <laughs> you know you know that that wouldn't look good. But I think he'll be on the bench on Monday. On on the subject of uh, of goalkeepers, then Preno, Carlos kind of confirmed that Robin Olsen should be back for the game Monday. Jordan Pickford's still out. Not quite sure. When he'll return, but but maybe be back in training next week. I mean, I think it's it's quite obvious that Robin Olsen will come back in, but Joe Virginia definitely giving everyone a little bit of food for thought for that second and third choice goalkeeper slot, really, hasn't he? Especially heading into next season and the transfer window. You know, we we don't quite know is Carlos someone he likes to work with three senior goalkeepers. Would he potentially have Joe as a third choice? Does Joe need to? go out on loan but it's become a position that's going to be quite interesting going into the summer isn't it yeah things have changed a little I mean Robin Olsen will come straight back in again you'd imagine although he requested he was away on international duty with Sweden wasn't he over the last uh, couple of weeks and he was actually put up uh, for interview uh, as one of the press conferences and actually declined the opportunity so he's rather not in, in light of you know what's happened in his personal life, obviously the uh, attack on his home and stuff. Yeah. He's still quite shaken by all that and basically doesn't want to be talking to people about it. So whilst you'd imagine he will come straight back in again, clearly you know there are a few psychological issues for him to overcome. Um, and just the fact that Joe Virginia played so well against Manchester City means that uh, you know Carlo does have another option now. That was a one-off, a game where the adrenaline will have carried uh, Virginia through. He obviously has had a loan spell already. He went to Reading, didn't he? Which wasn't altogether that successful for him. Yeah. Uh, but cl- clearly, you know, he's kicked on since then and uh, he's improved since that experience. Uh, and he will get opportunities again. Uh, but I think for the time being, yeah, you would want your experienced goalkeeper in there, somebody that's been there, seen it, done it, as Olsen has been. Uh, so I think he will be straight back in uh, for the game on Monday night. Just a little bit concerning that Pickford's taken a bit longer than, uh, than we thought it was going to take. Because yeah. um, obviously he wasn't involved in the England internationals. And uh, once again, I think the differences between Pickford and other goalkeepers were highlighted during those games. Pope did okay. 
in our case, played in two games where, you know, so me and Gavin could have been in goal and not been troubled. You know, <laughs> the, the, San, the San Marino game especially. Um, but, you know, clearly against Poland, you know, he had, he had something to do. And his, his footwork wasn't altogether that convincing, was it? And it just no. makes you realise exactly what we do have in Pickford. He had his problems himself, I know. There were his occasional aberrations, but, you know, his footwork is impeccable. Uh, so, yeah, a bit disappointed he's not coming back in. But Olsen is very, very reliable. And he will come in for that game. But, you know, to answer the question, Virginia does, you know, have uh, an opportunity to impress Carlo even more between now and the end of the season and has given him an option. So, yeah, maybe for next season, he could be one of the three. Adam, I remember you kind of looking into Virginia's loan spell at, at Redden and, and what went wrong there. And you've probably seen more of them play for the under-23s than, than a lot of people as well. I think when, when Phil Kirkbride spoke to Hugo Oliveira, the, the goalkeeping coach of Marco Silva, who helped bring him to the club a couple of weeks ago, he urged Jao to, to kind of go out and seize the initiative after, after those couple of good performances in the first team get a loan move and, and then the season afterwards, which would be 22-23, really then come back and, and be attempting to take that number one jersey off Jordan Pickford. Is is that the route that, that you think is sensible for Joe at the moment or are, are you seeing an opportunity almost next season for him to, to think, hang on, I could, you know, with a good pre-season under my belt, potentially be challenging at Everton before that? It's really interesting, isn't it? And I suppose... You know, it's really going to depend on what the future of Robin Olsen is in the summer. Obviously, you know, if there's still talk over whether he's going to have a permanent move to Everton. Uh, so I think, you know, if that was if that was to happen, then I think Virginia's best move probably is uh, moving out on loan. I would still probably argue that uh, even if Olsen doesn't sign, like Everton probably will sign another goalkeeper. So yeah, I, I would still suggest that Virginia's, Virginia's best option is to go out on loan. And I think... Now his his move to Redden last season was just a really, really sort of unfortunate situation. He joined Redden uh, midway through the summer, I seem, I seem to remember, and then maybe a week or so later, Redden signed another goalkeeper, Rafael Cabral, and uh, Virginia was the preferred option for the first couple of weeks, but you know a couple of mistakes uh, let him down on the, on that occasion, and you know that he's a young goalkeeper, mistakes are going to happen, especially when you're playing you you know essentially your first senior football. But uh, it was it was quite a cutthroat situation he found himself in in the end because uh, Raphael just walked uh, into the red inside at that point and didn't really look back from that point on. I think Virginia maybe made one more appearance uh, before before he ended up back at Everton. I think in the uh, in the January. Uh, I think he's he's too good for under twenty three's football now. Virginia, I think that's you know quite. Quite easy to see, you know, when you're putting in performances like you did against Man City. You know, I don't, I don't think he deserved to concede either of the goals that he conceded against Man City. But you know, that's that's sometimes the breaks that you get when you're playing against the best side in the country. Uh, but when you put in a performance as good as that, I think you just you do just show that you're too good for under 23s football. And of course, you know, Everton do need to give opportunities at that level to the likes of Harry Tider, who I think is really excelled when a uh, Gibson's. Uh, when Virginia, sorry, has uh, stepped up into the into first team duties, so you know, it, it, I, I think a lone move just makes perfect sense to me. And I think you know it, it, it's a, it's about for Virginia, you know, regaining that confidence after what happened after, through his last lone move. I don't think it was really through much fault of his own uh, what happened at Redden. You know, he, he made a couple of mistakes, but you know, I think 
he's probably come to the point now where he can accept that you know that that's going to happen in his development. And, you know, the past is the past, and Everton do need to just find a, a, a suitable loan move for him. I still think, you know, maybe maybe Championship level, maybe moving abroad somewhere, just anywhere that's going to give him the senior football that he needs. Because I think it's it is senior football that he needs now. And if he does have, you know, a season out on loan, playing, you know, at least semi-regular uh, first-team football, if not regular first-team football, then, you know, the season after next, he could come back and, you know, he, he, he could easily be challenging uh, for that number one jersey at Everton because I think he showed all the signs to me in that Man City that he can be a really good goalkeeper for the future. I think his distribution was really good. I think he commanded his area quite well for the age that he is. He obviously made some really good saves uh, when he was called upon, and he was unlucky to, to concede the goals that he did. So, you know, if he can step up and pr- prove that on a consistent basis for another side next season, then you know, surely Ancelotti and the rest of the staff will be looking at that and they'll be thinking to themselves, "We've got a really good young goalkeeper on our hands here." So, yeah, I think it's a it's an important one for Virginia, but you know, it, it could just depend on what happens with uh, with the other goalkeepers at the club. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Gavin, remember at the at the start of the season, the the international break kind of came around the time where we'd had four or five good good results on the bounce, and it kind of felt like it derailed us a, a little bit at the time, if if I remember that right. But today, Carlo said that the, the break's been good for Everton. You know, no fresh injuries, and Hammers, Jabamin, and and Olsen have been able to get themselves fit in that time is, is that an assessment that you agree with that it's been an international break where not only have players been able to get themselves fit but I think it's been a good opportunity to take stock hasn't it and obviously the games against Chelsea and Man City just before they went away didn't yeah. didn't go in our favour but we have still only five points behind fourth with a game in hand and it's kind of cleaned the slate a little bit hasn't it yeah yeah no I agree um, you know I think you mentioned you know Michael Keane as well, not going on internationals. You see the, the importance of a fortnight for Hammers to get fit. He's obviously going to be a vital part of the, the last 10 games, hopefully. I mean, even Kabamans had the next two weeks, I suppose. Um, yeah, um, I don't think the team has played three times in six days, by the way. Yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah, yeah which, is, which is, I mean, you could, you could write, a, write a book about his experiences with the Republic of Ireland, couldn't you, really, Seamus, <laughs> as a club player? Um, I wasn't particularly impressed by that when I saw that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like a mini. Sorry, yeah. Sorry. I was just going to say, do you reckon you've got three games in six days in the legs, Gav, or would you need? I've got three three days in six months. Three games in six months. I think I'd struggle uh, at the moment, uh, Sam. And and I'm not so sure, by the way, that I keep a clean sheet against somebody. You know, Preno. To be fair, if you ever see me play playing five aside, um, yeah. No, seriously. Yeah, it's it's. It's prepared, um, you know, the team well. I think it's like a mini league, isn't it? Ten games. You can see by Carlo. We may want to talk about this, but it also gives an opportunity to Carlo to to sort of think again, hasn't it? Really, and and maybe change a few things going forward. I didn't see about his comments that Bill was saying about you know the need for greater, you know, greater control and more possession in games, a bit more quality. And um, so it's obviously like everybody else. Um, perhaps thought that we've been too too defensive and too rigid uh, since since Christmas, particularly. 
So it's also given not just the players who've not been on internationals you see a chance to recharge their batteries, but also Carlo and the coaching staff as well. And it will be interesting to see whether that is uh, apparent when we play uh, Palace on uh, on Easter Monday, six o'clock. Is it? I think, yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, um, yeah, beneficial for Everton, uh, to be fair, especially given the, 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 the relatively small size of the squad. Adam, the, the, the rumours that have kind of cropped up this week have been that Carlo Ancelotti fancies a little bit of uh, of Kaladu Koulibaly in the summer to, to come in and I think some places in Italy have been saying wanting an A-list defender. And what would be your take on the, you know, now there are only 10 games left in the season, but, you know, you're looking Keane, Godfrey, Amina have probably been three of Everton's most consistent, if not the most consistent players this season. But have that, you know, you know Koulibaly is 29-30. He's a similar age profile and probably price range of, of perhaps what Alan was from Napoli <laughs> last summer. Is, is is that a transfer that, that would make sense in, in your eyes for, for next season? It really depends, doesn't it? I think when you look at it on the face of things, I don't think there's any doubt in that you know, if Everton were to sign Koulibaly, that would improve their options at centre-back. I think by improves the options at centre-back for most clubs in the Premier League, to be honest, maybe barring Man City, if so, if if nobody else. But, like, I think he would... He, he, he is just a, a really, really good defender at the end of the day. You know, he's yeah. strong, he's commanding. You know, he's, inte- he's intelligent in playing out from the back as well. And I think that's... That's something that Everton, you know, do do need to have when they uh, when they're playing under Carlo Ancelotti. But just in the back of my mind, I just, I just think is is a centre back really a priority for Everton? Mm-hmm. I think that that's that's what Everton have really got to think about. You know, over uh, well last month was it Carlo Ancelotti was saying that you know he expects two or three signings uh, in the summer. Do, if 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 we're going to be that selective with the amount of players that we're going to be signing. Do we, do we really need a centre-back to be one of them? I'd say we need a right-back before that. We probably need a backup striker before that, especially if Moyes Keane's going to be on his way out. I think we need a right-winger before we before we need that. Do we need another midfielder before we need that as well? Uh, oh, we need a goalkeeper if uh, Robin Olsen's situation doesn't get uh, resolved as well. So I just think in terms of our priority list, I just wouldn't put centre-back very high up there, You know, regardless of whether... Koulibaly would improve our options, which I definitely do think he does. But, you know, I'm happy enough with the likes of, you know, Mina, Holgate, Keane and Godfrey fighting for those positions uh, over over next season. You've got Jada Brantway coming back to uh, to add into that mix as well. So, you know, I think Everton have got some really... I think what's interesting is Everton have got some really young, uh, talented centre-back as well. You know, we've got... You know, maybe Michael Keane's entering his prime as a centre-back now, but I'd argue all of the others are probably haven't even yet reached their prime as a centre-back, which is you know really promising to see. So, would I want game time taken away from any of those players? Probably not, to be honest. You know, I, I, like while I do think that Koulibaly, as I say, would improve Everton's options, I just think you know looking elsewhere should really be the priority. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, it, it, even if he does cost like the same amount of money as Alan. Like, could we not invest that to vastly improve another area of the pitch rather than slightly improve at centre-back? I, I think that's probably the uh, the better way to go, isn't it? 
What, what's your feeling though, Dave? As well as as Adam touches on Carlo, has kind of already came out and, and said about you know two or three signings to improve the squad. But is your feeling then that you know ju- just for example, say we don't sign Josh King, does that then mean we'd need four if Moise Keane left? Would we need five if, if for example, Fabian Delph left? Would we need six? You know, <laughs> if, is, is, is it one of those kind of summers where? a lot could still change between now and the window itself. Because, I mean, for myself personally, looking at the face of the squad, I, I would definitely think we'd still need more than two or three signings if this summer plays out the way you expect it to in terms of people like Moise Keane leaving, you know, fringe squad members like yeah. Bernard leaving. Two or three just doesn't sound like an amount that would even give us a big enough squad. I think, you know, at the moment we're getting to the point where we or before the international break, we would nearly have field three or four keepers on the bench just to make up an 18. I agree entirely. Um, and I think also the fact that we could be in a European competition next season, um, you know, so it increases the demand for a bigger squad automatically. I think um, I think Adam articulated the, the Koulibaly situation perfectly there. I mean, yeah. I like him a lot as a footballer, uh, but he's 29. And like you say, we're already, and it, it plays in an area of the pitch where we've got some good quality players. I mean, all these speculative stories we've seen suggest that uh, Yeri Mina could be the guy to make way that, you know, uh, Carlo wants to move him on and, you know, sort of bring Koulibaly in. And I'm, I'm not quite so sure about that. Mina's been good for us this season, I think, on the occasions he's played. And um, we've already got, you know, some three real high-profile, good-quality centre-backs there. You've got Holgate that can play, you know, sort of full-back or centre-back. Jared Branthwaite, as has been mentioned. So, yeah, it does make absolute sense to look elsewhere in the squad and look at the other areas of the squad that need uh, bolstering and need reinforcing much more acutely. And yeah. certainly, the forward line, Dominic Calvert-Lewin has been magnificent this season, but he's done very little in the way of support. And, you know, I know we won at Wolves when he wasn't available, but, you know, you wouldn't like to go a long period of time without him being there. And if we are in European competition next season, he's going to need breaks, you know, sort of more often than not. So, yeah, we need more strength there. I think Carlos made it perfectly clear. Josh King probably isn't going to be a long-term option, uh, given the infrequency of which he's used him. So that's an yeah. area that Pitch is going to need uh, to improve. Fullback, we've already mentioned. Uh, you know, Gavin concerned that Seamus Coleman's had to play three times in as many... Uh, days virtually uh, you know, for the Republic of Ireland. So, yeah, that's an area of the pitch that needs changing as well. So, yeah, they, they're the three obvious areas that you want to bring uh, players into, but you need more. You need more strength and depth. Um, yeah, I think more than three, absolutely. And we've already heard that the financial fair play rules could be altered uh, very, very soon to allow teams to spend more than they're, uh, they're actually bringing in, you know, so to, to more than they have been doing. Farhad Mashiri has made it perfectly clear in the past that he's willing to speculate, to accumulate, if you like. He's not shy of uh, spending money. Obviously, we don't want a situation that infamous summer of was it 2017 or 2018 when, you know, we brought in three number 10s and God knows how many other players. Uh, it was like, you, you know, don't ma- want that. That was the most exciting one ever. No. <laughs> yeah, it, was a, it was just a mad trolley dash, wasn't it? It was exciting at the time, yeah, but then how many of those players actually turned out to be successes? So no, you David want to Klassen. see David Classen, best player we've ever exactly, had. Exactly, exactly. So no, you, you <laughs> want to see maybe three high-profile players of the quality of you know, so Alan Decore, you know, so the, the players have come in and been a big success, but yeah. then also, you know, so fringe players, if you like, you know, so players to bolster the squad that are going to have time to maybe bed in and you know improve. Players like Nkunku, maybe 
that he's going to kick on next season and maybe be part of the first team squad a little bit more. We don't know. Uh, but yeah, I think three players does sound a little conservative for me, to be honest. I think maybe we, you know, three players of absolutely decent quality, but certainly more bodies on top of that. But again, it'll all be driven. You know, so if we're in the Europa League or the Europa Conference or maybe the Champions League, uh, yes, we absolutely will have to bring in more than just three players. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The exciting part of the podcast now where we ask the same question to Garvin. He says, I don't think we should sign anyone. Get Edan Tal on a free or something <laughs> equally depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Gav, two or three signings. Does that sound about right to you or do you think we could be on for a big summer? Um, get Edan Tal on a free and uh, get, <laughs> get, get me asked from Huddersfield. Um, yeah, interesting this, isn't it? Um, I... Yeah. I Kulabali, if I recall, when we linked with him when Cumin came the first time, I think he would, there was some scary money, I think, that it quoted. Um, yeah, I, I'm not, I'd go back to what I'd said. If we're not going to, I get the I get the thing about me and or offloading one, but it's not a priority for us. It costs a fair whack and it probably would be on fair, fair wages as well. Um, and I keep on thinking back to, you know, the conversation we had last week about the stage and we were talking about 2024 and and, yeah. um, you know, wanting to be in the conversation about the Champions League then. And it was interesting to see Carlo was saying, wasn't he, uh, this week, that you can't change things in, in two years. You need to have, you know, small steps. And I'm just thinking, we want to start building a team over the next two, three years. Does that include having, you know, we've got, in three years' time, there's quite a few players who their, their peak years would have gone yeah. at the club. You know, Alan be 32. Rodriguez, 33, you know, some of our key players. Um, not not saying everybody. Um, and you want you want to keep that balance right. And I think Koulibaly would, and, and I don't think, you know, there'll be other, there'll be other clubs interested. Koulibaly fits sort of in this, that profile for me. Uh, Mina does, a few years younger, isn't he? Um, and, and it's not, an, as I'd said, it's not in a position that we uh, need strengthening, I think, the far far. Um, far more important positions we need to look at, and so I, 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 I get what you're saying. You'd, you'd like to have three more, three well, 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 right, right, right wing, right back, and I suspect we need to. Well, I suspect we, we probably need to centre our front, don't we? You know, um, for the start, still think we need another midfielder. Um, but yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd like to see a net three players. Coming in, you know, increasing the, the the squad by three. That could mean offloading two and getting five. You know, um, so net three, you'd want. Um, but I, I Kula Bali doesn't seem to make a lot of sense for me because of his age and where we want to go and the sense strength and depth we have got it. Sense of defence. Um, you know, obviously mentioned the goalkeeper there, didn't we as well? If Olsen doesn't come, so yeah, Kula Bali for me, no. Net three transfers, yes, in those areas of respect. And this week, Adam, the, the Echo put put out their kind of player of the season, Paul. Uh, obviously, still a bit of time to go, but at this point in time, from yours, Phil's, and my own player ratings this season, Michael Keane as the current Everton player of the season, Luca Dean, 0.02 uh, behind him. 
Ben Godfrey, 0.03 behind Dean, and then Alan and James Rodriguez, pretty close in fourth and fifth. Is is that something you'd agree on right now? Would would you say Keane, who's also Preno's pick, is the couldn't Everton play the season? Uh, no, I think <laughs> I I think Dominic Calvert Lewin's Everton's player of the season so far. Because where would that be without Calvert Lewin's goals? I, I think it's just he's he's improved drastically this season. You you know he's people. People are saying that he's had, you know, he has spells in and out of, in and out of uh, goal scoring. But I think his longest spell without a goal this season in all competitions has been six games, which yeah. I think is, you know, it it shows, it shows the progression of a lad who, you know, we always used to say, oh, he, he tries his best up front, you know, he works out really hard for the team, but he just doesn't quite get as many goals. Well, now he's getting all the goals, and people, people are still uh, finding ways to moan about him <laughs> for some reason. I don't get it personally. Yeah, he can. He can score more goals. I think that's true of any striker, though. If unless you're prime Lionel Messi, then anybody can score more goals. And I think, you know, the fact that Dominic Calvert Lewin's doing this when he's 24 years old, you know, it still shows that he's got so much room to progress. I would say that he's probably not been Everton's most consistent performer this season. If in that case, I probably would give it to maybe a, a Michael Keane, a, a Luca Dean, or a Ben Godfrey. I think. They've they've been fantastically consistent in their performances uh, throughout the season. So I wouldn't argue with anybody who said any of those three would would be their player of the season. But I think, you know, just in terms of the the actual effect that he's had on Everton's season, uh, I, I I think it's got to go to Dominic Calvert Lewin because I just don't know where Everton would be uh, without his goals so far. So he's my pick. TCL for Adam, Dave. What what's your what's your Repost to that after your quite passionate Michael Keane vote on, on Twitter this week? No, no, no repost at all, because uh, I wouldn't argue in the slightest. Uh, Dominic Calvert has been outstanding this season. Uh, and I saw that lovely tweet earlier today from, you know, was it one of the Opta uh, accounts? Yeah. That he's actually scored the highest proportion of important goals, if you like. Goals that have actually earned 13 points this season. I think he's got 14 points courtesy of his goals this season. That means that, you know, some strikers, you know, get what you call cheap goals, you know, the third goal and a 3-0 win, that kind of thing. Uh, Calvert-Lewin doesn't because Everton haven't really battered any teams this season unless since the early stages of the season. His goals, when he scored them, have been very important. They've been match winners or, you know, sort of point savers. So, no, I certainly wouldn't argue at all. Uh, the reason I was so passionate about Michael Keane is, A, I felt a little bit irritated that he'd been by England. I thought he was really hard done to there. And yeah. I just think he's been so consistent this season. Uh, Calvert Lewin's had a couple of little lulls here and there, a couple of like spells where he's, you know, not gone missing because he always contributes whenever he plays, uh, and he has been hugely important. And you know what? I could probably be turned by by Adam here and could be convinced otherwise uh, to go for Dominic. But no, I just think that Michael Keane's consistency throughout the season has been so important and so good. You know, from the year from right from the start up until now. And of course, you boys yourself, you've been going to the games, you've been delivering your marks out of 10 every game. And it's there, it's a science, it's scientifically proven. When you, when you do a ratio throughout the season, he has been the best performer consistently. So, you know, maybe the odd little dips that Dominic Calvert-Lewin has had have cost him in that respect. So, no, I, I could, you could argue it either way, and I certainly wouldn't, you know, uh, wouldn't disagree. But I just think for me, Michael Keane has been the most consistent performer this season. So I think that's why he probably deserves it. But there's 10 games to go, who knows? You know, so if Dominic has a little, you know, you know, flurry between now and the end of the season, it'll be his nailed on. 
So it's up for grabs, as somebody once said in a famous game. In the last <laughs> minute, <at Anfield. laughs> any, love, any love for my pick, Gav, Abdullah Decore, or are you going to go in a totally different direction and give it to Fabian Delph? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Decore, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's... Um... I think it's a positive thing that there's four or five players in with the shelf for play of the season, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think I said the same. I think, I think, I think, I think it'll probably be decided over the next ten matches, I suppose. Yeah, I, I think. But we have got ten. I was going to say we have got ten games left. Yeah. Um, if, if I think it would be great after the end of those ten games if Carvalhoon is clearly our player of the season because that means he's been scoring lots of important goals in the final ten, and we've been doing well. So. Um, I think, I think you've mentioned all the names. You know what? I was thinking about this. I mean, how do you think? How do you think Pickford's performed this season? Um, wow, he's been great for the last couple of months, but he's had yeah. some very, very dodgy times. Yeah, yeah. Fleet, Fleet was away. You know. Yeah, yeah. He's not in the high profile howlers. Yeah, yeah. But I was, it's not, there's not. No, I'm not saying I'm not putting him forward there. I was just. Thinking about play, you know, reviewing players' performances over the over the campaign. Uh, Decore, yeah, he's been excellent, hasn't he? Decore since the first game, consistent, effective games. Uh, he'd definitely been with the show for me. Uh, Carver, and the benefits of that, you always give us, you know, it's like the play of the year, isn't it? When you see the PFA play of the year and and so on, the football races, it always ends up giving to strikers, doesn't it? <laughs> um, it's far harder for a defender to win it. Uh, play of the year award for me. Uh, I, I, I Calvert Lewin, you, you'd have to you'd struggle not to give it to Calvert Lewin, wouldn't you? Really, at the moment, but I think he's got to perform over the last ten games. The way for, the only thing for me for Dominic, he does have droughts of goals, so we can't afford that in in the uh, in the crunch games. Can we see now in the end of the season? So I give it to DCI if he carries on. You know, it's good form for the final ten games. But to call it we'll after what, what feels like forever, anyway. Football is well, club football is back this weekend, and the Blues are back on Monday. Adam, how do you see? Before I ask you for your prediction, how do you see Carlo shaping up for this one? Obviously, it looks like Hammers will be back. Do you think he'll spring any surprises, or do you think it's going to be pretty straightforward with the team he picks? <sighs> I don't think anything straightforward with the teams that Carlo Ancelotti picks these days, is it? Uh, no. I think I genuinely don't know what what formation Everton are going to line up with, to be honest, because it it just seems to me like obviously we had we had that sort of narrow diamond in midfield that seemed like it was working at one stage, and now I would say you know after that Burnley game in particular, I would I would argue that that certainly uh, doesn't work, <laughs> and, and probably probably yeah. shouldn't shouldn't be a uh, Shouldn't be pursued again. So it, it really depends on what kind of system Carlo wants to use. Uh, I think it would be a little bit of a shame to see Richarlison uh, move from up front. But I do think, for the benefit of the team, I, I would maybe, I would maybe do that. I, I'd put, I'd put him wide left again and maybe switch back, switch back to a four-three-three sort of sort of system. Put Hammers on the right, midfield three of. Alan Davis and Sigurdsson maybe yeah. playing a little bit further forward, uh, just to try and get as many as many attacking players on the pitch as possible. Because 
you know, it, it, I don't think it's going to be any surprise to see how Crystal Palace are going to set up, is it? You know, it's going to be, you know, very defensively organised from Roy. They're going to sit back. They're going to try and hit us on the counter-attack. They'll no doubt look at uh, games that we've had against Fulham and Newcastle at Goodison uh, in recent months, and they'll probably take half from that and think to themselves, well, we've got we've got some quality players up front of our own that can take advantage of Everton applying like that. So Everton just need to be able to break down what's going to be, I've no doubt, is a resolute defence. So I think they need as many creative players on the pitch as possible. So I, I would say... Sigurdsson probably is a must. James is a must. Uh, and, you know, as much as I would like to see Richarlison up front, because I think he's I think he's played really, really well there over the last month uh, in particular. I just think that, you know, for the benefit of the team, I think just putting him on the uh, on the left-hand side for now until we can maybe find a better solution uh, a little bit further down the line, I think that's probably, probably going to be the best way for Everton to go with this. And, you know, I think... Despite the, despite the fact that Coleman has played a lot of international football, I think he needs to play. Dean needs to play to try and give us a bit more width uh, attacking from full-back as well. Because, uh, to be honest, I don't think we need to set up particularly defensively against Crystal Palace. It's just a case for Everton to get as many attacking players on the pitch as possible. Well, breaking down teams that come to Goodison and, and sit back has not been our forte this season, so... What's your? You've been informed of the predictions this season. What's your? What's your big score for the game on Monday night? Um, <laughs> I think I think if we are to put as many attacking players on the pitch as possible, then I do hope that we'll be able to fairly comfortably see this one out. I mean, it's it, it's really hard to tell, isn't it? I think. If we play with the same amount of you know desire and commitment that we did against Man City, you know, with that added little bit of quality, with the fact that we're not playing against the best side in the country this time, we'll be able to yeah. get foot on the ball and play with it a little bit more. But if we add that to you know the kind of heart that we showed against Man City, then I think we should be able to beat Crystal Palace. And you know, I know Crystal Palace aren't an easy side to beat uh, on their day, but yeah, I would hope that Everton can maybe secure. A two nil win. It's not. It's not really been. Not really been a season for comfortable home wins for Everton. But I'm hoping that maybe we can turn it round for the last ten games of the season. Dave, what do you predict? What's your what's your score? Six nil Everton. Seven nil Everton. Uh, I was going to throw a four one in. You know, so do I do a mad Sam Carroll prediction? Um, <laughs> and it might not be that mad to be honest. I mean, Palace are a strange team, aren't they? I mean, they rely so heavily on Wilfried Zaha. And it does worry me that Christian Benteke is available again because he's one of those footballers that seems to have a habit of scoring against Everton. Uh, and he, he scored against Spurs, wasn't it? I know he got battered, but you know, so he scored in that game only a couple of weeks ago. The weird Palace, I mean, they've had back-to-back nil-nil draws, Fulham and Man United, then got battered at Tottenham, but then, you know, so one one nil against West Brom. So they are capable of turning it on on occasions and they will. They'll come and keep it absolutely tight as they can do. Um, try and rely on Zaha's pace on the break and maybe something from a set piece for Benteke and I think that probably will give them some success but I'm hoping that Carlo will be uh, take the shackles off a little bit uh, he hinted in the press conference about uh, the tactical changes he's made this season um, and you know how to try and get you know some more quality into the team a little bit less gung-ho than they were at this season but 
hopefully we can balance of that and you know maybe get Rodriguez and Sigurdsson on the same pitch you know so in the same game and it was funny actually listening to Adam talk about Richarlison uh, playing in a different position and this week wasn't he about his defensive being asked earlier in the season and he had to our Ancelotti about it he actually yeah. said I'm, I'm actually back there with uh, with Yeri Meenan at the moment all right and he wanted to be further forward and since he has been further forward he's responded with lots of goals so I don't know, you know, so hopefully Carla will unveil a plan that can keep everybody happy. But we should have a little bit too much quality. I'm, I'm going to go for a 3-1, 3-1 home win. I'd like to say a, a nice comfortable 3-0, but we don't do comfortable home wins, like you said. Uh, but we've had a bit of time to prepare. The South American lads haven't been away, which is a bonus. Sigurdsson didn't go either, did he? Uh, he wasn't away on international duty, so they've all had time to actually, you know, sort of prepare for this. So, yeah, maybe my heart really me had a little bit, but I'm going to go for a 3-1. Gav? Uh, yeah, I think there's some alarm. Didn't think the Sigurdsson come on as sub for Iceland on a... Yeah, well, so yeah, well. Yeah, no, no, no. There was, there was a Sigurdsson came on. It wasn't him, no, I think. I don't think I'm right oh, saying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Roy's record of Goodison is not the best of his manager. Um, I refer back to what Carlo said this week about more quality, more control of games. So I suspect that you may see a bit more of a, an aggressive team selection than what we've seen at home um, since Christmas. So that would include, I think, Sigurdsson, Rodriguez on the pitch together. Um, and I fully go with it. I, I, I got, they are a funny team, Palace, but I think if we if we, if we do what Carla wants us to do, we've got Hamez back, and then the players are refreshed, as we've spoken about, then I see a comfortable 3-0 win for the Mighty Blues. Well, let's yeah. hope so. We've He's got the present. <laughs> a busy weekend for Everton anyway. Everton under-18s are in FA Youth Cup action against Manchester City tomorrow. You'll be able to follow all that on the Echo website and the same for the big game on Monday when hopefully Everton back to win and we're against Crystal Palace. Thank you very much for listening to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. You can follow us all on Twitter or find the Royal Blue Podcast group on Facebook if you want to get involved with the discussion around all the podcasts and everything going on with the Blues. Thank you very much for them, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.